You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, I did something this week that I've never done before. I, uh, with the help of my daughter Morgan, I took a picture of a check that I wanted to deposit into my checking account. And with an app on my phone, I got an email a few minutes later saying your check has been successfully deposited. Technology is an amazing thing, isn't it? I remember sitting in my house one night and I was getting a call and I looked and it said FaceTime and I answered it and Morgan was in Australia. And so right there she was, her face, and she said, hey, dad, I'm in Australia. Look. And I said, so what's this costing me? And she said, nothing. You're, you're at home, right? It's late at night, right? I said, yeah. She said, well, you're on the internet. I'm on the internet. It doesn't cost anything. You want to see Australia here? And so she shows me some of Australia. I, I remember being on a golf course um, one day with a friend of mine a few years ago. And I said to him, you know that, that thing that, that the youth are doing these days called texting? And he said, yeah. I said, I will never do that. He said, me neither. I said, it makes no sense to me. Why don't you just pick up the phone and call somebody if you want to talk to them? Why would you send them a text? I don't understand even what that is, you know. And he agreed with me. And today he and I probably text each other more than we actually talk to each other on the phone. I'm I'm grateful for texting because I don't know if I'd have any communication with my kids at all if I didn't text with them. And it is handy. Somebody will send me a text saying, are we still on for that three o'clock meeting? And I just simply respond, yes. And they show up at three o'clock. I I like it. I appreciate it. But, but it's, it's a word that we use differently in our society than we used to use the word. So, so there was a day when we said the word text, we meant something else. If you look up the word text in the dictionary, it will just tell you that it's rented or it is something and it's written or printed form in its original form. So it's, it's just written or printed text in its original form. But, but I grew up going to church every Sunday. And, and the preacher would get up to preach, and you know what he would say? This morning, my text is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so for all of my life, Growing up in a small Nazarene church in a small Kentucky town, the word text meant to me the Scripture, the Word of God. How important is the text in your life? Do you read it? So when do you read it? Do you read it in the mornings or do you read it in the evenings? Do you talk about it? For those of you who have kids at your house, do you, do you talk about it with your kids For those of you who don't have kids at your house, do you talk about it with the adults in your home? Do you talk about the Word of God? Is it it something that's kind of on your lips often? Is Is it something that's important to you? The Word of God, do you read it every day? Is it part of your life? How important is the text to you? God's Word this morning challenges us. That we are to live our lives in obedience to Him. And His Word and His teaching and His laws and His decrees. But we cannot live our lives in obedience to His Word if we are not spending time in His Word and know what His Word is teaching us and inviting us to do. 
And so I want you to open your Bible with me this morning. I want you to open the text to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading with verse 1. I, I thought I might mention to you this morning that, that the words that I'm going to read to you are very old. We're going to be talking about the Bible a lot over the next four weeks. But the words I'm reading to you are very old. So when we think about something being old, I walked in a house not long ago and they said this house was built in 1912. I'm going, wow, that's over 100 years old. That is old. Or if I meet somebody who says, I'm a centurion, I'm 100 years old, I'm like, boy, that is... That is an old individual right there. They have lived many years. So when we talk about what I'm going to read you in a moment, it's not like it's a hundred years old, okay? It's hundreds of years old. No, it's thousands of years old. The words I'm going to read you are probably 3,500 years old, 3,500 years old. These are, these are words with age, okay? Moses is talking to the people of Israel, to the nation of Israel. And he's reminding them that God has given the Ten Commandments. And he's reminding them that you're about to cross into this land that God has promised you, this promised land. And, and here's what he says in verse 1. We'll put the words on the screen for you as well. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Just any minute, they're going to appear on the screen. These are the commands, the decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, rather so that your children and their children, so that, I, I'm, I'm going to get it together here in a minute, I apologize. Let me just start that sentence over. So that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. So hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, and wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, listen to these words, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. So this is, this is God's word for us today. How, how did you feel a minute ago when I, when I asked you the simple question, do you, do, do you read the Bible and, and do you talk about it? 
When you get home and do you talk about it when you get up in the morning and, and do, you, do you think about it when you go to bed at night? Is, is the Word of God a part of your life? How did you feel when I asked you that question? I, I remember reading a book not too long ago by a guy whose name was Brother Jan. It was called The Heavenly Man. In 1973, Brother Jan was a 16-year-old boy in China. His dad was healed of an illness which resulted in all of his family becoming Christians. They didn't have a Bible. It was during the Cultural Revolution. In fact, if you were caught with a Bible during the Cultural, cultural Revolution in China during those years, you would be stoned. And so if somebody had a Bible, they probably were not going to show it to you in fear that maybe you were undercover and you would turn them in for having a Bible. And so Brother Jan says, as a 16-year-old boy, there was nothing I wanted more than to read a Bible as a young Christian. And my mother remembered that there was this old pastor and she remembered that he had a Bible years ago. And so they went to visit the old pastor, but he wasn't willing to show them the Bible. He wasn't for sure that they were not people who were working undercover for the government. But he says to this young boy, this 16-year-old boy, this new Christian, he says, The Bible is a heavenly book, and if you really want a Bible, you should pray that God would give you one from heaven. And so he said, I went home, and I brought a stone into my bedroom, and I got by that stone every day that I used it an altar as an altar and I prayed that God would give me a Bible. Every day. For 30 days I prayed that God would give me this heavenly book. And he said at the end of 30 days I did not have a heavenly book and so I went back to see the old pastor and I told him that I prayed for 30 days and I did not have one of those heavenly books. And he says then you should fast for a Bible. And so Brother Jan says, as a 16-year-old boy, I go back home and I begin to fast. I ate nothing in the morning and I ate nothing in the evening. I only allowed myself a small bowl of steamed rice at lunch every day. And I did that for over a hundred days. Because I wanted a Bible so bad I couldn't stand it. I wanted that book. And he says, one morning after over a hundred days of fasting... At 4 o'clock a.m. there was a knock at our door and my father and I got out of bed and we went and we stood at the door and we opened it and there was a stranger standing at our door and he had a bag in his hand and he pushed the bag toward me and I took the bag into my hand and he walked away and my dad closed the door and we opened the bag and in the bag was a Bible. And that morning I made this promise to God. I promised him that I would devour that book like a hungry child. And I knew what hunger felt like at that point of my life. And Brother Jan said, I have spent my life keeping that promise. And so Moses, he, he writes and he speaks to the nation of Israel. And he says to them, literally, devour this book. Read these words, know these words, devour these words. Let them be a part of your life in such a way that when you get up in the morning, you talk about these words. And before you go to bed at night, you talk about these words. 
put them on the door frames of your house, these words. Bind them on your foreheads. Tie them as symbols on your arms. Keep these words ever before you. Make these words your life. I, I kind of got curious after reading Brother Han's story. And, and I began to wonder about, about the United States of America. And I'm not telling you this stuff to be cute in a sermon or to fill the sermon with interesting facts. I really think we need to be honest with ourselves and face reality about the illiteracy of the Bible in America. And, and so here's just a few numbers I'll throw at you, okay? 39% of the people in America today do not know that Jesus is the one who spoke the Sermon on the Mount. So, so only, only 4 out of 10, I, I, I said that incorrectly, I think, 4 out of 10 people, 39%, know that Jesus is the one who spoke the Sermon on the Mount. So if tomorrow you go to Target and you're standing in line and it's a long line and there's 10 of you in that line... I want you to understand that you and three other people know that it was Jesus who spoke the Sermon on the Mount. The other six would not know the answer to that question. Fifty percent of adults in America can name the authors of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if tomorrow you're standing at a target and there's a long line, there's ten people in your line, five of you will be able to say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The other five would not be able to do that. And so what happens? It trickles down into our, into our children. So teenagers in America, when asked what is the central message of the Bible, chose from three options. 76% of teenagers chose this option. The central message of the Bible is this. God helps those who help themselves. The problem is it's not in the Bible. Ben Franklin said it in the 1700s. So, so Rick, you're talking about America, but what about the church? Of all Protestant Christians in the United States, only 53% read their Bible at some point during the week. And so if that's true, that, that would mean, and I hope it's not, that half of the people in this room would say, last week, Rick, I did not open a Bible. If that is true across the board, then that means half of the people in this room would say, Rick, last week, this past week, since I saw you last, haven't opened a Bible. What I get is what I get on Sunday. It's what you give me. What I get is what you give me on Sunday. That's all I get. That's all I hear. If I'm going to get God's Word, that's, that's where I'm going to get it. If, if you continue in Deuteronomy and you get over to chapter 17, here's what, here's what Moses says. He says, now when you get into this new land and you're going to ask for a king, and when you ask for the king, here's what's going to happen. This king must, must read this word every day of his life. He must copy down on a scroll these words that are written, and he must read it every day of his life, and he must follow these words in order to follow God with his life. Every day of his life, he has got to read these words. So, so do you read the Word of God every day of your life? I was walking out of a hospital one day, and our, I'm sorry, I was walking into a hospital one day to visit somebody, and, and I meet this, this group of people coming out of the hospital. There's, there's a nurse, and she's got a wheelchair that she's pushing, and so there's this, there's this young 
young girl in this wheelchair, young mother, and she's got this newborn baby. And you know how they just wrap them all up tight, all bundled up. And then there's this, there's this father of the baby. I'm, I'm assuming because he had a bag over the shoulder, a bag over the shoulder, plant in this hand, other stuff in this hand. He's just loaded down. And so as I'm walking in and, and they're coming out, I, I, I thought, hey, pretty neat sight there. And so I just kind of nodded at the dad and, and he caught my eye. And so he, he nodded back and he smiled real big. And I said, you're taking that baby home, huh? And he said, yeah, we're taking the baby home today. I said, that, that's great. And I kept walking. He kept walking. And, and I'm thinking as I walk by him, what responsibility, you know. I'm not thinking verse 7 and 8 at that moment, but I'm thinking the essence of verse 7 and 8. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You do verse 7 and 8. You, you make the word such a part of your life. That you talk about the Word with your kids. And when you get up in the morning, you talk about the Word. And when you put them to bed at night, you pray with them and you remind them of God's will for their life. And when you're walking along the road, which doesn't happen in our society, we're driving along the wor- wor- road, rather, you talk, about, you talk about it with your kids. That's the kind of responsibility that Moses is laying on the people of Israel. These are parenting skills. If you want to know what parenting skills are, these are parenting skills. Talk about the Scripture with your kids. When, when, when he goes on to talk about the door frames and, and, and bind them on your foreheads and on your arms, it, it wasn't until about 150 years um, before Jesus comes onto the scene that Jews begin to take that literally. And they would take a leather cube and they would write a scripture on it and put it in that leather cube. We talked about this before. In October, I talked about this very passage of scripture. And, and they would put them attached to a headband and they would, they would wear that headband and then right in front there would be usually two leather cubes right here. And in the leather cubes there would be scripture. There might be a band on their arm with a leather cube on that and the scripture in that. They were called phylacteries. We, we don't think that's what Moses really intended when he said, bind them on your foreheads. I think he was saying, keep the Word of God ever before you. Make this a part of your life. If it helps you to go to a Christian bookstore and buy some scripture that's, you know, been matted and framed, and you want to take it home and put it on your wall, then for heaven's sakes, put it on your wall if it helps. Just keep the Word of God ever in your life. You remember what David says. David says, your word I have hidden in my heart. Why, David? Have you hidden God's word in your heart? I hid your word in my heart, O Lord, so I would not sin against you. Moses said, have the king read it every day. Why? So he will honor God with his life. You understand, this is the goal. Moses says it clearly in this passage, so that you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. This is why you read the Word of God every day. So that you will love the Lord. And honor Him with your life. I, I thought about two families in our church on Monday morning. I prayed for them. The Brooks, Mike and Darlene, showed up at the airport 
at uh, Will Rogers Airport in Oklahoma City along with Donnie and Cheryl Carley. And they were there to see their kids off, Seth and Kaylee. Both of those families have been a part of our church. Mike Brooks is on our staff. He's our college pastor. And I introduced Seth and Kaylee to you last week. They're headed to Swaziland to be our on-site coordinators for a year. They, they felt God was tapping them on the shoulder saying, would you, would you go somewhere for a year for me? Would you go to Swaziland for a year? Dustin and Amanda Hogan are coming home at the end of this month. They have been there for a year. And now Seth and Kaylee are going. And, and I thought about how hard that was. I talked to Mike on Monday about lunchtime and I said, how are we doing? Did you cry pretty hard? He said, yeah, I cried pretty hard. You're going to send your kids off to another country for a year. I, I, th- I think about how many times that has been repeated over the years. Just, just you're loading up your kids and, and maybe they're not going to another country, but maybe they're going to another city. Maybe it's a new job they're going to take and they're headed out and you're, you're helping them put the stuff in the U-Haul and you're getting everything and there's lots of hugs and there's a lot of goodbyes and there's a lot of, we'll, we'll call, we'll text a lot. That's what we'll do. We'll stay in touch. We're going to be okay. Yeah, we're going to be okay. And there's another hug and a tighter hug. And what do you say before they get in the U-Haul to drive away? You're going to find a church now. Make sure you find a church right away. Whatever you do, you're going to want to find a church now. And what are you saying? You're really saying verse 12. You're really saying, whatever you do, don't forget the Lord when you get there. Moses says, you're going to live in cities you didn't build. You're going to drink from wells you didn't dig. You're going to eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. Whatever you do when you get there, don't forget the Lord. Keep God's Word close to you. Because what you're learning in this passage this morning, and in Acts 17, I mean rather in Deuteronomy 17, is that, is that you read the Word of God every day. Why? So that you can follow His commands. It, it's it's got to be a part of your life. I first met some of you on a Thursday night. Uh, over a year ago, we, we came to, uh, to meet you before you voted on us. And some of you who were here that night might remember me telling a story about Annette and I getting ready to move to Cincinnati. The church had voted for us to come. We had accepted. We believed it was God's will that we go. And, and we were going to go buy a house. Our goal was to go to Cincinnati and buy a house within a couple of days when we were there. What, what happened, though, before we were supposed to go to Cincinnati, our Morgan got sick. She, she was a little girl and, and some virus, but she dehydrated pretty bad. And the doctor got concerned and said, I think we need to put her in a hospital. So we were saying, well, we probably aren't going to get to go to Cincinnati. That's okay. We'll, we'll have to go maybe next week to look for a house. And so I stayed all night with Morgan in the hospital. Those of you who go to hospitals know that you get no rest in a hospital. I tried to sleep a little, but, but I didn't get much sleep. And so I don't do well without sleep, but they just kept coming in and turning on the light. And here's this little Morgan laying there. And they turn on the light and say, Morgan, we're going to take your blood. And she's like, Dad, Dad, you know, rescue me. And so, so the next morning we got to go home and Morgan's just laying around like she's about to die and... You know how kids get well all of a sudden? 
She's just laying there like she has no life. And then she just gets up and wants a donut. I mean, she just, she's ready to go, you know. Wants to play. She's just doing. And so my mother-in-law was at our house and she said, you guys should just go on to Cincinnati. She's fine. Well, it's really late now. So when we get to Cincinnati, it's 2 in the morning. But it's 3 in the morning our time. Cincinnati time, rather. So we lost an hour. I got to meet the realtor at 8, Annette and I do. And so I've got another night with not much sleep. And so we went, met the realtor. We spent the whole day. We found a house. We met people for dinner in the church that night. We stayed way too late. We get back to the room. It's after 11 o'clock. Finally getting in bed about 11.30. And right before that, I'm, I'm going to lay down to go to bed. I, I noticed that, that there's a noise and it's the sweet door. It's the people in the other room and they're messing with the door that connects the two rooms. And I'm standing there looking at it thinking, well, are, are you going to come into my room? What, what are you doing? And finally they stop, and I thought to myself, well, I've done that. I've made sure that door was locked from the other side. And so I go to bed, and I go to sleep, much-needed sleep. But, but just after about one in the morning, I hear that same noise again. And I'm laying there on my side, and there's a window over here, and, and I'm kind of listening, thinking, what, what, why are they doing that again? And then all of a sudden... My greatest fear became reality. I, I can see there's a window there. I'm here, laying on my side, and I can see a person walking in my room. I can see the outline of their nose and their lips. There's a human being in my room, walking. And, and here I am needing to protect, protect Annette, and I can't move. I'm frozen. <laughs> I'm just laying there. Can't, and finally... Finally, it all came together, and in one motion, I yelled and came up out of that bed, just kind of with a, ah! You know, I didn't. Well, when I did that, I scared them to death, too. And they screamed back at me. And when they did, I recognized their voice. It was my wife. It was Annette. And so the noise that I heard was not the sweet door at all. It was the flap on the heater. She'd gotten cold and wanted to turn the heat up. We, we sat there on the side of the bed holding each other, shaking, you know. She said, we've got to get you some rest. You're going to kill one of us. And so I lay back down in the bed. And now I cannot go to sleep. My eyes are just wide-eyed. The person on the planet who needs sleep more than anybody I knew, and I could not go to sleep. And here's what I did. I started worrying. You know what I worried about? Going to a new church. The church I'm at now, they seem to like me. What if the people at the new church don't even like us? What if my girls hate me for the rest of my life for moving them? What if this house that we found is a bad buy? What if it has termites and nobody ever figures that out until we get in it? I just found a ton of things to worry about that night, laying there in bed. And all of a sudden it hits me that I did not read my Bible that morning. I thought, Rick, you didn't read your Bible. I slept the last minute I could, jumped up, took a shower, ran out, met the realtor, and we were gone all day. And so I'm laying there thinking to myself, well, it's not like you're sleeping or anything. Why don't you get up and read it? 
And so it was a suite kind of, there was a wall there with a half wall you could go around. And I went in the other side where I wasn't bothering Ned. I turned on the lamp, I sat in the chair and I opened my little devotional book that I was using. And I thought I'll do yesterday morning's devotional book since I didn't read it. And I opened to the book of Philippians and here's what God said to me in the wee hours of the night. Hey, Rick. Yes, Lord. Philippians. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, make your request known to God. I I remember my arm just kind of going limp and I just kind of let my arm fall with that devotional book in it to my side. And I said, Lord, you mean to tell me that you saw me over there worried sick and you got me up here in this chair so that you could speak to me through your word and so that you would tell me that I don't have to worry about this stuff. You're incredible. See, God has a specific will for me. And His will for me is not that I worry, is that I don't worry, rather. And so God teaches me that in His Word. I don't want my kids worrying. Trust me. And so the way I find God's will for His life, for my life, and the way that I learn to live my life obediently to God's will is by reading His Word. And if I'm not in His Word, then how do I understand His will? And how can I live in obedience to it? You tell that king, Moses said, that he's got to write that down on a scroll and he's got to read it every day of his life. So he can follow me and honor me. So I want to challenge you before we change gears here in just a moment. Would you read the word with me? If you say, Rick, I'm reading the word pretty good. Would you, would you want to continue doing that well? And that has challenged me as we move through this series. She says, Rick, I think, I think we can do this a little better. And so she's challenging me. And so we're putting together a plan to read the word of God. And she's out in front of me right now. You might want to go on your phone and go to version. There's lots of plans on version. If you carry a phone like this, you can, you can maybe find the plan that works best for you. But I'm just saying, would you, would you take the challenge? We're going to talk about the Word for the next four weeks, would, for the next three weeks. Would you, would you take the challenge? Would you, begin, would you begin to think differently about the Word of God? Would you begin to commit yourself to reading the Word like you've never read it before? And then, if you want to share stories, like you heard on the screen this morning, of people saying, this is a verse that means a lot to me. If you want to share your stories of verses that really jump out, you can go on our Facebook page, BFC Facebook page, and you can share your story. Or you can go to hashtag BFC text, hashtag BFC text, and talk to us about it on Twitter or Instagram. We, we would love to just hear those stories, and we can share those stories as we hear them from you. Anybody looking at me going, Rick, I I don't know. I probably need some help. I got good news for you. God has provided a helper. It is your older brother. His name is Jesus. 
And he died on a cross. And he provided everything you will need. All the grace you need to know the Word of God and to live your life in obedience to the Word of God. And he is here to help you today. And you can receive his grace and his help this morning in this last act of worship that we do together as a church in receiving communion. And so those of you who are going to serve us, would you please come and would all of you stand with me? And would you receive grace this morning as you receive the elements, the drink and the bread? And even in that moment, would you receive the grace of Jesus into your life and just say, Lord, I'm going to need your help as I make this new commitment. You know, we were really careful to leave the altars open this morning. And so when you receive your elements, if you want to come here and kneel at the altar, you can. Or if you want to come here, you can receive the elements from the altar. There'll be a pastor to help you do that. And so when you receive them, there'll be two cups. The bread is in the bottom. The juice is on top. And so all you'll do is just take them apart and take the bread out into your hand. And then you can drink the juice in a moment. But we'll hold all of it until we've all received it together. Maybe you came to church this morning saying, Rick, I really want to focus on your sermon, but it's hard. We're going through some tough stuff. I want you to know that there's an altar here. You can come and pray about the tough stuff in your life. Or maybe you're praying for somebody who doesn't know Jesus and you want to come and pray here. You can do that. If you want to be prayed for healing this morning, you can come to the altars and pray. And there's pastors and they will anoint you with oil and ask God to bring healing into your life. If you really have a need to be in the Word and you want to pray about it this morning, if you feel a need to confess this morning, you can just get on your knees here at the altar and say, God, you know I haven't been in your Word. And I'm sorry and I'm asking for forgiveness and I'm going to get into your Word. I'm going to read it. I'm going to do better. Or if this morning you want to become a follower of Jesus. Rick, I got sin in my life. (laughs) I don't feel good about this this morning then just step out and come here and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and make you right with Him. We're going to sing, and if you want to stay where you are and pray, or if you want to come here and pray, you're free to do so. So let's sing together.
said to them, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it and eat it, all of you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink it and be thankful. Father, we praise you this morning for the gift of your son, Jesus who provides us grace and help and mercy and strength. So help us today, Jesus, as we make new commitments about your word. And as we focus these next few weeks on your word, let us be people of one book. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a good day. You're dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.